0: everybody and welcome to learning from smart people. I am your host Rob Oliver and I'm really appreciative that you tuned in today. I would encourage you as always subscribe. Hey we're always looking for feedback too. If you want to leave a review on Apple Podcasts wherever you're listening give us of course I would encourage you give us a five-star review but be honest about it Today is one of those days that I'm pretty sure you're going to be very grateful that you've tuned in. My guest today is Dan Blanchard. He is an inner city school teacher. He is a best-selling and award-winning author. He is a speaker, educator, and TV host. On top of all that, he is also a double veteran of the army and air force. He has completed 14 years of college, earned seven degrees, written 30 books, and is married with five kids. Dan, it seems like you don't ever have to do anything. So, thank you for, A, thank you for your service. We really appreciate that. And B, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, you're
1: welcome, Robin. Thanks for making me sound so good in that introduction.
0: (laughs) Uh, You know, (laughs) here's the fun part about it. And that is, all I got to do is talk about what you've actually accomplished and in doing that, it gets right to the heart of, of who you are and kind of, uh, you know, what you're doing. So you are a teacher in the inner city. What, if, do you mind me asking, what city are you teaching in? Uh, I teach in New Britain,
1: Connecticut. Uh, pretty much I've taught at uh, the largest inner city high school for a bunch of years, uh, New Britain High School. Now today, I'm pretty much right in the front yard working in the alternative High school that's there, which is a beautiful thing, because I have, um, uh, as you had said earlier, you know, I, I have uh, 14 years of college and seven degrees, and I've got multiple teacher certifications. So here, my job is, I'm the special education teacher, because I have a master's in special ed, who is teaching the history classes, because I have a degree in history too. So you know, I love what I do. I'm kind of doing two jobs here, but uh, it's all good.
0: All that's, good. That's awesome. You know, because. There are people like me who would say instead of doing 14 years of college, I did 14 years of high school. But that's a completely different story <laughs> altogether. Uh, so, so you're you've got multiple degrees. You you've got and is are you feeling like special education is kind of your sweet spot, or what kind of has brought you to to your job today? You know, that's an interesting question, Rob. And um, I never
1: knew. You know, uh, what brought me to special ed? Because that's a hard job. You know, it's a heartbreaker day in and day out. And the majority of my time on the last 20 plus years, they've put me with the behavioral uh, disorder, behavioral challenges, socially, emotionally, uh, you know, disturbed or whatever. But the toughest kids, and if you think about it, if you're working in the inner city, you're already working with tough kids. You know what I'm saying? And then you work with the toughest of the tough kids. It makes for a rough day. And there's been many times I've wondered, why I'm a special ed teacher. And I don't think I figured it out until just recently. And uh, the history thing, I've always liked that since high school. I was never maybe great at it, but I always liked the history and the teachers telling us stories. So that was an easy one. I always knew that I liked history and I just went and got a degree in it. And now I teach something that I love and it's so easy. I just tell stories about amazing people in history. It's so easy and so fun and the kids love it. Okay. So now the boomerang back, you know, I get to do that. But I also get to do special ed, and I could never figure out why. I mean, like, am I glutton for punishment? Why do I always go for the hardest thing? You know, I was Army infantry front line. Why the front line? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. So, so why special ed? And then why behavior? Why do I keep getting called back into the, you know, the, the toughest kids, the ones that make the teachers pull their hair out, right? And, sure. and here's what I've discovered recently is subconsciously I was drawn to it. And I don't know if there was a greater universal calling or what, but I've been pulled in, pulled in. Every time I get out, they pull me back in like the mafia, right? They pull me back in, and I've been drawn to it. I think it's because, you know, subconsciously I'm drawn to it, but subconsciously I think I go to it because my brother was one of these kids. My brother was beaten from the time he was six months old. You know, we grew up in a very abusive um, household poverty uh very very dysfunctional Uh, my father was dealing with a lot of mental health issues and he was self-medicating with heavy heavy alcohol and he was a hard drinking hard-hitting marine (laughs) so my brother was you know emotionally damaged my brother was one of the kids that didn't have friends my brother was the kid that didn't fit into the regular classroom the one that talked back to the teacher Mm -hmm. or maybe threw a pencil at the teacher you know that was my brother and sure. my brother always ended up in these jobs where these very special men had to be his teacher because, well, first of all, he, he, he was explosive. He was strong. He was dangerous. You know what I'm saying? So right. he had to have these very special men that would look out for him but not get beat up by him. And all these years, you know, I was a two-time junior Olympian wrestler, okay. a two-time state champ wrestler, two-time junior Olympian wrestler, and two-time coach of the Junior Olympics. So I was that man. That these explosive, angry, all heck boys can't beat up, but yet there's a place in my heart for them where I let them know, you know, that they're loved. That there's room in this world for them somewhere. Yes, y- you know. So I think that that's why I do what I do. It took me a long time to figure that out, uh, Rob. Lots, lots of years to figure that out.
0: It's so interesting what you're saying because I'm hearing the two parts to it. Okay, the one is that. That, that you're not physically intimidated by by young guys who are strong because you can handle that. But that's not the tool that you're using as an instructor. The tool that you're using as an instructor is love and compassion. A- am I understanding what you're talking
1: Absolutely. about? Absolutely. About love, compassion, joking around, knowing that, hey, you know what? This isn't the end of the world. You didn't do your assignment today. I'm not going to flip out over that. You know what I'm saying it's not the end of the world. Right. We can maybe get you back on this assignment tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? So compassion, love, patience, and humor. And um, you know, and there is a place. There is a place in for these and the world for these kids uh, you know, that haven't been shown the love that they deserve. And my brother was one of them. You know, same people say, Dan, you were one too. You know, you came from the same house. Sure. But me and my brother went different different paths. I went in sports. And started beating people up in sports and getting medals. And my brother was just beating people up on the streets and getting arrested and going to jail. Right. You know, we were the same kid, but we just kind of like went like different. And I, I've been put in a position where I can make a difference for those kids like my brothers that maybe didn't have sports or didn't have a way to vent themselves or focus all their anger into something positive. And they were just on the streets surviving or maybe just even surviving within their homes. So I'm the guy now that takes care of those kids.
0: You know, it's funny. You talk about that. You you were talking about someone having a way to vent your aggression. And you you found sports as an outlet for the aggression. And it was violence in a controlled atmosphere for a purpose. But there are those that don't have the outlet. And as a result... Uh, someone just said this the other day, and it really blew my mind. When they talk about communication, behavior is a form of communication. Absolutely. And so as people are, they're exhibiting what we would, you know, stereotypically call negative behavior, it's a communication that there's something else going on in there. Dude, you and I are of kindred spirit, and he, let, me, let me talk about this a little bit. Um, I am on the uh, Pennsylvania Developmental Disability Council, and so mm-hmm. uh, really looking at folks a lot of whom have what you know are intellectual disabilities, cognitive disabilities, developmental delays, whatever the words are that you want to use and I'm sure that I've uh, hit on some um, you know non politically correct terminology in there but what are you're finding that you can connect there and what, one of the things that I have been particularly concerned about is what's the transition like for these kids when they're getting out of high school and going into the quote-unquote adult world you're talking about your brother who has these aggressive behaviors and has ended up getting arrested and ends up with a criminal record because his behavior is coming out this way how do you help the kids so that when they're getting out of high school it's it, here in Pennsylvania, we talk about it as the school-to-prison pipeline. How do you address those behaviors to help the kids so that they're not ending up in that situation? Well,
1: I'm to tell you, first of all, any teacher out there, uh, any adult out there, you got to try to get the kids to realize that you're on the same team, that you're more like than different. And saying, I think I might have had some special ed Disabilities that never been diagnosed. My wife is. My wife insists that I'm ADD because I'm always tapping my finger or my foot or doing something. Right. I even eat my food with intensity. Right. So she insists I'm ADD. But also, I believe that I probably have like a processing disorder. You know, all through my life, somebody would say something to me, and they would look at me like, "What's your answer?" And I would still be like, "What did they just say?" You know what I'm saying? And they'd be looking at me like, "What?" And I'd say, "What?" And then they'd have to repeat themselves. I'd say, what? And they, then they would get mad. And then I'd say, oh, it's the yellow one. Right. And they'd go, well, why did you make me go through this if you knew it was the yellow one? And they'd be mad at me. And I'd be like, because I didn't understand until just now what you were asking, you know? So, but that never got diagnosed. So I think every one of us has some form of disability. I don't even know if that's a real disability. I'm just saying, maybe, maybe it's a, one that was wasn't diagnosed, but every one of us, has somewhere where we're weak. So every one of us can, can get together and, and, and say, you know, I'm, I'm like one of you. You're like one of me. You know what I'm saying? We're like the same. We're more the same than we are different, mm-hmm. okay? So, I mean, I struggled a lot. I didn't get good grades. You know what I'm saying I and I got out of I got out of high school and it was like what was I gonna do? Sure. So I went infantry, army infantry because the recruiter told me how cool it would be. You know what I'm saying so I was like cool adventure, yeah. That's <laughs> right? so funny. Yeah. Oh oh yeah, you'll love this. You'll Go. love it. Right. Yeah, you can rappel down mountains, right? Oh yeah, tanks. All right. You know so so but the thing is like I was one of those kids and that. that there wasn't a straight line for me. So this is what I try to tell adults and kids today is here's the thing. Life is more like a spider web. And that's a good thing that life is more like a spider web because you can get out of high school and there are some kids, they already have it in their head. They're going this straight line right to the top, you know, the best schools, the best jobs, the big corner office, they're going to do that. That's not normal. That's just, that's what some people do. The rest of us, we get out of high school and we may make a move right that opens up a bunch of different opportunities. And then we may go up and then diagonal left and diagonal down left and it's just like a spider web. And every time we move, it's not straight, it's diagonal right. It's diagonal back right, you know what I'm saying? And that opens up new doors to other opportunities and that's okay. Because we're still going to get to where we're going, and heck, we might even have more fun than the guys that are just going boom, 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 boom up the corporate ladder in the corner office.
0: You know, I love the analogy, and I talk about this. I I do some speaking at schools, but what you're what you're talking about is that as long as it, as long as you've got kind of a destination, you you know where you're kind of going. Uh, you it's not a straight line to get there and it, this is the same thing that happens on a map right when you're on a yeah. map there's a number there's a number of different ways that you can get to any given destination and yeah. you know, depending on where the traffic is depending on what roads are under construction depending on all of those things you'll find out that you know these days you have i don't know if you use waze on your phone right it's a gps app and it it checks where the traffic is and it redirects you around traffic and makes it so that yeah you are, i love that <laughs> yeah it's great but here's the thing and that is you're going to the same place and you yeah. can get there any number of different ways and some of them are going to be that straight line and if there's no traffic that's great you go right down the interstate and it works fine some of them you're you're going way all the way here's yeah. a goofy expression you're going all the way around robin hood's barn to get to to where you're going right uh, yeah. but, but at the end of the day, it's all about making progress and it's all about moving. Uh, sometimes you got to move sideways to get ahead, um, but it's all about moving forward. And it, it, as you said, it's so correctly, it's not yeah. usually a straight line. No, it really isn't.
1: And, Rob, I have, like, you know, like, parents contact me. They're concerned about their – more so their boys than their girls. You know, my boy's not motivated. My friends, same thing. You know, my son's not motivated. Heck, my wife says the same thing. She says, you know, she gets frustrated with our son. He's in high school now, and he's really motivated on the wrestling mat. Um, and he's very smart in the classroom but he doesn't go the extra mile in the classroom so my wife is frustrated saying he's not motivated in the classroom i mean i've heard this for like 20 plus years while well, parents being concerned about their son's not being motivated and i'm like listen it's not i don't want to spook you but it's not that big of a deal believe it or not they're going to find the way you know what i'm saying is there something he loves and if he loves this then let him build his success skills and that's something that he loves and he'll later transfer those success skills and success habits over to the bigger picture of life and right. if he has to start at a community college so be it that's fine let him go to a community college you can save some money let him figure out what he wants to do in life and then i guarantee you once he has some extra time because boys mature a little slow than girls anyways once he has a little extra time to mature some figure out what he wants to do you'll see he'll turn it on sure. He'll get motivated and turn it on and i don't care i mean if his love right now is wrestling or his love is like chess or his love is video games, let him become good at that. And then he can transfer those success habits over to the bigger picture of life later. And when he finds, you know, which way he wants to go, you know, someday, I mean, I, I, I I took my skills and success habits in sports and then I just transferred them over to like the army and then I transferred them over to college and then I transferred them over to being a husband and then a father, and then a teacher, and then a coach, and then a speaker. You know what i saying? Mean? But I had to start somewhere, and guess what? For me, it was sports, and then a community college. And I turned out okay, even though my wife jokes sometimes about that. She says, I'm still thinking about that one.
0: Hey, <laughs> I understand completely. So let me just, I, I, wanna, I wanna key on a, a couple things that you've said, number one is having an area in which you develop success skills it's a concept i had not thought about before but even if it is video games they're they're learning how to be successful at something and the skills that they are developing in being successful at that are skills that they can then translate to other areas and you know they've got to get lit in those areas they've got to get fired up about those areas at some point but another thing that you said I'm um, I'm also a guy that started out at community college because I was a mess. Okay, mm-hmm. I experienced some adversity during my high school uh, career, and uh, that was health adversity. Um, I also had an entire lack of motivation. And like you, my wife said, "The jury's still out on me." We've been married 25 years, and uh, you know yep. I've got those got those issues. But yep, uh, I want you to, if you don't mind, you talked about building success skills, but talk to me about. What role adversity plays in developing life skills?
1: Yes, this is a great little story. I had a wrestler back years ago. um, He was a good wrestler. His father was always on him, just on him, just on him. I felt bad for him, right? And this kid, he lived in a rough neighborhood, you know, went to a rough school. They lived in poverty. Um, and then, you know, and then his father it was just always on him. I don't know, you know, what it was beyond that between him and his father, but one day he comes in, he's got these black fingernails and I'm like, yo, what's up with the black fingernails? And he looks at me, he goes, cause I'm an angry young black man. And I'm like, good. That's awesome. And he looks at me like, what are you talking about? <clears throat> like, what do you mean? That's awesome. And I go, you're mad. He goes, yes. Cause you're angry. He goes, yes. I go, good, now you got some energy to funnel into something positive. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's winning this wrestling match, becoming a great wrestler. You also did some judo on the side. You know, doing the judo, whether it's getting into a college and becoming successful in a college, whether it's starting your own business, the adversary, the adversity in your life, you know, maybe even the not ideal life, you know what I'm saying? Maybe even the subpar, maybe even not good life has given you energy in the form of anger to get out there and know what you don't want and create what you do want with that fire in your belly because of the adversity and the uh, less than good conditions that you're growing up in.
0: You know, it's incredible to hear you talk about this, that what you're, what people are doing is they're taking that energy that comes from adversity and channeling it into doing something positive. Um, and to, to, it gives you an energy to do something, uh, because one of the things that I'm sure that you have to deal with is apathy. Where there's just people that don't care, and they have convinced themselves that they don't care about anything. And I don't believe that that's true. And from what you're saying, I don't think that you believe that's true. And there's something that you're passionate about. And once you can light the passion for something, it's gonna that's gonna be the beginning of the energy that gets you moving forward. Am I understanding what you're talking about? Right?
1: Yeah, I definitely, I mean, there's a couple of different ways you can go with this. One, you can kind of go to my brother being angry at everybody and fighting everybody at the drop of a hat. You know, you could become, let's say not violent, but you know, apathetic, which is, I'm not going to do anything. I don't care about anybody. I don't even care about myself, blah, blah, blah. Or you could do what I did. You know what I'm saying? Um, create the life you want to create for your future family. If you weren't born in the perfect family, and mo- many of us weren't, you know what I'm saying, are you not growing up in the perfect circumstances, the right neighborhood, or even a nice neighborhood, or a nice school, many of us aren't, you know what I'm saying, then go out and create what you want. Your future self, your future wife or husband, your future kids deserve that. They deserve what you have, the fire in your belly, the energy through anger to create. You can create it faster than somebody else because you got that extra energy of being wronged, you know, in life, being dealt the wrong hand in life. You can create this. Your future spouse, your future children deserve
0: this. And you do, too. You do, too. Create the life that you all deserve. You know, it's interesting. Again, I'm listening to what you're saying, and uh, you're speaking to the choir, okay? Like, you're, you're talking my language because what I what I'm thinking about is everybody, and I'm going back to what you said earlier. Everybody's got issues, okay? Everybody's got limitations. Everybody's got barriers. Everybody's got some form of whatever you want to call it. It may not technically be a disability, but everybody's got stuff that they're not good at. Okay, that's part of being human. That is one of the key elements that makes us all the same. We've all got stuff we're good at, and all got stuff that we're not good at. And if any of us have the the understand have the mistaken impression that I am perfect and everything about me is wonderful, you know what? Actually, your main skill is lying, and you're uh, because you're just lying to yourself that nobody's got it perfect. Nobody's family's perfect, nobody's background's perfect, nobody is perfect as a human, but that doesn't take away the fact that each of us has a skill set, each of us has passion, each of us has energy, and finding out how to use those skills, how to channel that passion, how to focus that energy into making a positive impact in the world and to building a life that is meaningful and has value, that's where it all comes down.
1: I gotta tell you, Rob, I think in some ways I might have gotten lucky. Because I grew up not thinking I was you know, the smartest kid in the room or even smart. I knew that there were most of the stuff out there I didn't know. So I had to like, listen to people and learn from people. You know, I wasn't that good with books, but I would listen to people. Later on, I'd become better at books. I'd become a prolific reader, you know, reading over 1,000 books. But I knew that I needed to learn stuff that I didn't know much. And then at age 20, on the other end, I got asked to be a high school wrestling coach. Now, there I was, 20 years old, coaching 18-year-old boys, and I was dang good at it. You know, I was, like I said, I was a two-time junior Olympian, and I loved coaching wrestling, but I learned something very, very unique and very, very important while doing it. I thought I knew wrestling, and I did. And I had muscle memory, how to move, for every, what pressure, when I felt pressure, what way to go. But now, go ahead and try to put that in words to high school kids who yes. don't know what you know, and you got to teach them that. Yes. That was such a gift given to me. And I, I couldn't understand in the beginning, why can't you just do what I tell you to do and you'll win? And it's like, no, they can't just do what you tell them to do because they're not you. I had to teach that. And yes. then when I taught them, guess what, Rob? Well, it took me a couple of years of teaching and teaching. But when I got to that point, I started saying, you know what? Now that I've been teaching wrestling, now I really know it. Now I really know it, and then since then I, I try to teach people things all the time, because it gets me to know stuff better.
0: Yes. So let me get so much there that I want to unpack, and um, but this is why I think Wayne Gretzky was a, actually not the world's greatest hockey coach. Mm-hmm. You know, in the <laughs> conversation for being the one of the greatest hockey players of all time, but his ability to he couldn't get his teammate, or he couldn't get his team to do what he could do because they didn't have the skills that he did, and he actually was having to learn how to do, uh, how to explain things, or how to get them to do what was within their capabilities. And that's really what you're talking about is understanding that you have an understanding of how to wrestle from your own personal experience and using the skill set that you have, but other people don't have your experience, they don't have your skills, and so you're having to teach them how to use the skills that they have to be able to, um, you know, make the most of their strengths and to be successful in the ring, so to speak.
1: Yes. And it was frustrating the first couple years, but what a gift. What a gift it was. And then that drove me into the classroom, becoming a teacher. And every day I teach, and because I'm teaching, I'm learning.
0: And that's really one of the premises of this show is – We can learn. We all should be learning every day. And you talk about the fact that it's so important to be a lifelong learner. Do you have Mm -hmm. do you have any tips for how to be a lifelong learner or any ideas? You know what you can what you can share with us about that concept?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, Most people have phones right on phones. There's like apps for like free library book borrowing. I'm saying so you can keep a thousand books in your pocket now you know they used to keep a thousand songs in their pocket sure. you know now you could keep a thousand books in your pocket you got access to the library so you could pull out your phone and read you know I'm saying why other people are bored and playing video games and kill time you could be reading heck if you're not a big reader plug in the earphone and listen to audiobooks find stuff you're interested in and read and listen to books on your phone for the rest of your life and do a little bit every single day. Never let a day go by where you don't pull out your phone and, and, and read or put the thing in while you're driving to work or driving to sports or school or wherever. Listen to an audiobook. You know, there's a world of information out there. And a lot of it's exciting when you stumble upon the right stuff.
0: You're just yeah. going to be
1: the detective. You're going to go looking for the right stuff. It's not going to be the stuff you did in high school. You know, go looking for the right stuff, and you're gonna be hooked. You're gonna be a lifelong learner, learning to be
0: hooked. Beautiful. And let me just say, first of all, I am in no way endorsing or condoning the concept of putting earphones in while you're driving. Hook up to Bluetooth and listen to your books on 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 Bluetooth through your phone. Uh, you know, through your radio. Don't drive with earphones in. But no, I. The concept of what you're talking about is spot on. That always be looking for something that you can learn about and i i i really think that in this day and age we get it's dangerous because we've got google and we you can google anything you know and we feel like you don't actually have to know things because whatever it is i just ask google and google gives me the answer but it's important to have to build your knowledge base because the internet anybody can put up anything and you read it and what's out there May or may not be accurate. So, be having the knowledge to be able to parse through what you're understand or what you're reading to make sure that it's factual and to understand it properly is something else yeah. that you've got to be got to be right on top of. Uh, listen, Dan, you've been fantastic, and you've given us so much to think about. If people are interested in learning more about you, how can they find you? Where can they connect with you?
1: Oh, I, I'm everywhere. They can just look up DanBlanter.net, GranddaddyStickers.com. I'm all over, you know, the Facebook, all the social media. Uh, check me out on Amazon, Dan to Amazon. Uh, check me out, Mendalia TV. Uh, I'm all over the place. Just Google Dan Blanter.
0: you're all no
1: trouble finding me.
0: Wonderful. And I'm I'm happy to put all of the uh, links to that down in the show notes so that if, and for anyone who is. Um, Looking for you know some links from social media whatever it is, we'll get them connected with you and they can follow you and find out more about you. Hey, uh, this has been wonderful. You have indeed established that you are smart. I have learned from you, but now it's time for my favorite part of the show. It's three questions to establish your humanity. Are you ready for this? I sure way, Rob. All right, so Dan, you've got five kids and. If your wife is ever too busy to cook dinner and it's dad's turn for dinner, what's the Dan Blanchard go to dad meal?
1: (laughs) This happens a lot. Let me tell you, the kids joke about this to mom. They say, mom, whenever you're gone, dad just orders a pizza.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so um, you're up in being up in Connecticut. You've got different all kinds of different pizzas. What's the go to pizza up there um, up in Connecticut for you?
1: Oh, my kids, I think they like Caesar's Pizzas and, and Papa Gino's Pizza. Uh, uh, Gino's, yeah, Papa Gino's Pizza. Um, I like, uh, there's a great place in Willimantia called Tony's. I like that one because it reminds me of the pizza I grew up with in East Harford. Uh, but my kids are like, ah, oh, no, it's too greasy and this and that. But I'm like, yeah, but that's the pizza I had when I was a kid. You know, like the real juicy, greasy pizza. No, but it, the kids don't like it.
0: It's the stuff that you can't eat with a white shirt on, Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, wonderful. Uh, so what is your worst weather experience ever?
1: The worst weather experience? Well, I'll be here in New England. Um, I believe we've, we moved into our house. This is, I guess, what, nine years ago? Uh, ten years ago? Nine, ten years ago, we moved into our house. And the very first, like, day we were there... Uh, like a a hurricane came through and knocked our power out for like six days so the very first day and we're unpacking boxes we got no lights it's summer we got no ac no phone no internet we had nothing and i believe toward the end of the uh toward the end of it i believe i had to get in my car and drive to work couldn't even take a shower Oh, you know? That's terrible. So that was a terrible weather incident, like six, seven days. Uh, maybe it was eight days, but it was, it was like a good week. We had like nothing, no power, right. oh, it was
0: terrible. Well, okay, and let me just say that um, because you are a native New Englander, I think that the misery of snow is probably something that you've experienced. And because I'm not from New England, I think that you don't know how bad you've had it with snow, but it doesn't bother you because it's just part of what happens every winter.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I, I got to tell you a uh, real quick real quick snow story. Uh, when I was young, before I was married, my, my uh, girlfriend at the time, who's my wife now, we had planned to go to the Niagara Falls a couple times, and it, got, it kept getting delayed. And then finally, my, my, uh, my girlfriend, who's my wife now, says, we'll go in this weekend no matter what, right? Friday morning, a monster snowstorm pulls in to Connecticut, right? It takes me four hours To get out of Connecticut 13 hours straight to get to Niagara Falls and there were places on the highway where it was crazy you know like the the two-lane highways there was a snow like jersey barrier snow in between separating the cars and there were 18 wheelers pulled off like on the right lane two lanes the right lane 18 wheelers sitting there sleeping and I was going by them in the left lane thinking, this is, crazy. I was white knuckle on it the whole way going, this, you know, upper northeast, weather is crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and yet what you find out is it seemed impossible, but you managed to get through it. And I, I really think that's an, alle- an allegory for life. Sometimes you're looking at obstacles and you're like, there's just no way. And then you find out, you know what, with a little determination, a little bit of perseverance, uh, we managed to survive. And now it's a story that we can talk about in hindsight. All right. Last question for you is... Um, and I hope this isn't. I hope this is an easy question and not embarrassing at all. How many times did you have to take your driving test?
1: Oh, once. Oh,
0: congratulations, once.
1: man! I got the perfect score. Um, oh, there's a funny story that goes along with that, though. Uh, do we have time?
0: Yeah, we've got enough time. Yep.
1: Right, there's a real, um, And I, I told you I grew up in very very difficult situation. Right. So the day before the, my driver's test, um, my my father he was, he was, uh, he came home from the bar for whatever reason. He was mad at me and my brother. I not, I don't even remember why. And he just said, tomorrow you're not getting your license. And I'd already paid for it. i made arrangements to get, a, you know, he didn't give me any money. Didn't give me a ride, right. nothing. Right. So the next day, right from school, I was like, what am I going to do? And I'm like, I'm going, so I went right from high school, right to the DMV, took the test, got the perfect score, passed it, came home, and then hid my driver's license for like six months.
0: <laughs> That's hilarious. I love it. Hey, Dan, thank you for being on. Thank you for being so candid about what's going on. And I really, like I said, I feel like we are a similar spirit and really you're doing great work. And please keep that up.
1: Well, thank you, Robin. I love being on your show tonight and talking to your audience. And yeah. um, this was a good time.
0: Yeah. Hey, no problem, man. Listen, for my audience, I'd encourage you all, number one, go check out Dan. Check out all this stuff. Um, you got one more thing? I got a free gift for them. Oh, beautiful. For your audience,
1: Rob. So if they go on Amazon, type in Dan Blanchard, and then type in The Storm, go to eBook. It's free for all your whole audience until midnight tonight.
0: No, fantastic. I... I appreciate that. And um, I will make sure that, you know, I'm going to get it myself and I'll encourage all them to do the same. Thanks. And hey, everybody, I will remind you as always that when you stop learning, you stop living. Have a great day, everybody.